Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Selena. Together, we are moms to five children, including two sets of twins. At Tweet Dreams, we are passionate about helping families achieve the peaceful night's rest they deserve because we were formerly overwhelmed and sleep deprived ourselves. We love nothing more than helping families achieve their specific sleep goals. So the whole family can be rested and thriving. On this podcast, you'll not just hear about sleep-related topics. We'll chat about how it started, where we are today, and the experiences that have shaped us as mothers of twins. We hope you'll enjoy listening to the ups and downs, the highs and lows, and everything in between. Hi there, it's Lindsay and Selena. Welcome back to Twin Life with Tweet Dreams. Today's episode is all about bedtime routines, and we are excited to dive deep into what a bedtime routine is, how we can make it easier with twins, right? Or even twins with a toddler running around or a baby in the mix. Okay. So don't overthink it. We're going to provide examples for babies, twins, toddlers, preschool, because what I know as a parent and as a sleep consultant is that those sequences that lead up to sleep are really what matters, right? We can't necessarily teach another human how to sleep or when to sleep, but we can show them those sequences that humans look for to cue them for sleep, right? Which is just naturally going to make it easier. So when I think about a bedtime routine, what does that look like, right? Or what does that mean? So it's the sequence of events that happens leading up to bedtime every night. So you know your child's wake window, how much time do we need there to prepare them inside that transition? So following a bedtime routine is important um, as the first step of teaching those healthy sleep habits, right? The bedtime routine should start at roughly the same, it's not the same time, but the same amount of minutes that you know we need. Do you need 45 minutes to get the twins ready? Do you need 30? How often do you do like a bath, right? So you'll like count backwards and say, okay, that 40 or the wake window closes at seven. So let's give ourselves 40 minutes. So we'll start by 6.20. There's many nights where we were doing bedtimes in the sixes, right? To prepare for that seven o'clock bedtime. When practiced consistently, this can help your child fall asleep faster and have fewer night wakings. So your child knows what to expect. They find comfort in that and it helps them fall asleep easier, wind down, not maybe resist or protest bedtime as much. So you might be asking, like I have a newborn, can I be doing a bedtime routine? And you can definitely have a loose one, right? What I mean by that is it's not really strict or by the clock, um, or it looks different than with an older baby, toddler, preschooler. But you'll want to make sure that your newborn's like ready for that long sleep. So their diaper's fresh, they've had a full feeding, and you've wound them down inside of like a comforting ritual, right? At that age, probably rocking, singing, bouncing to sleep. A bedtime routine will have more intention and time allocated than a nap time routine. So I do see that question sometimes come up. Like I've seen these lengthy bedtime routines. Am I doing that before nap? And definitely not. You don't need like 45 minutes to prepare your kid for nap time. But I would say you need five to 10 minutes, depending. You know, you go and get a fresh diaper, sleep sack if you're using one, read a quick book. So there is time to transition to nap, but definitely not as involved or lengthy as um, a bedtime routine. Okay, so let's get into some examples 
that Selena has done for us. So she wrote us an amazing blog on bedtime routines, kind of mirroring those graphs that I have on Instagram and she uses them in the blog. So it's a nice little visual for baby, toddler, preschool. How much time are we allocating to what? Four months is a great age to really start a solidified bedtime routine. We're past that regression. We want to work on some independent skills. Baby's able to cue. Hey, we do this, 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 right? Before mom lays me down, for example. So I'm going to walk you through an example of bedtime routine for four months to one year. And then Selena can go over toddler. So when we start a bedtime routine, babies are always going to need their biggest feed, ideally of the day before bed, because like, hello, we're stocking them up full of calories to support those long stretches of sleep that we want. So four months to a year, you'll have a bedtime feeding. And our suggestion as sleep consultants is that we do that first. So that means we're not feeding baby to, to sleep with the bottle or breast, and we're not feeding inside the nursery. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of moms that might say, well, we do that and that works for us. And that's fine. Sometimes though, I see where that works, 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 and then it stops working. So when you're ready, let's move that last calorie intake to the beginning of the routine for a couple of reasons. Baby's more alert because they're that far away from bedtime already. So they're not falling asleep and maybe drinking three when they could have drank six. And also they're not getting drowsy because it's far away from bedtime and it's naturally then not that sleep association. So especially if you're working on night feeding or night weaning, eliminating that association will be really helpful. So moving the the last feed, at least I like to see finishing at least 30 minutes from into crib. So baby's done eating, you kept them awake. So I even say like we're feeding in the living room, the dog's running around, the TV's on, the lights are on. The toddler's going crazy, right? Then you'll move the baby or babies to their nursery because this is the space to transition. So we transition in the sleep space. I wouldn't recommend like you get them ready in your room or the living room and then you just sort of like plop them in bed because that association of transition isn't there with that particular sleep space. I think even an adult sleep coach will say, don't move from the living room recliner to your bed and expect to knock off, right? We want to spend a little bit of time winding down Mm -hmm. in the sleep space. So then you can move into a hygiene routine, whether that's bath, you know, wet washcloth to get the creases and then fresh diaper, clean pajamas, brush teeth if applicable, put on their sleep sack. Um, I don't know about you, Selena, but we kind of alternated whether sleep sack was on kind of in the middle or if we put it on like in the crib. I kind of say if you have like a baby with reflux, let's like wait and put the sleep sack on because <laughs> if it gets mm-hmm. spit up on it, are we doing laundry? What do you guys do in that situation? I put it on right before they go in the crib. So it's one of the last things, um, you know, with all my children, you know, they have their sleep sack on, they do their quick prayer, and then I put them in the crib. I'd say their sleep sack's on maybe two to three minutes before they're put in the crib at max. You know, yep. another thing is they can't walk in it and I, I don't really want them to not be in their crib without it just for safety precaution as well. I want them sure. in their sleep sack, you know, right before they're going in the crib or in their crib. You know, I don't keep it on too too much before they're in their crib. Okay, and that makes sense. And I think with like younger, younger babies, like let's say four or five months, we could maybe put it on before like the story or song, but I'm not picky about it. And I don't think it makes a difference, honestly. 
Uh, so I wanted to touch on that. So, okay, all ready for bed and then go through a family ritual, right? So this is really a point of time of day where you can connect with your child, whether it's through you know, books, song, or prayer. Not a point to get drowsy, just going to say that. So we want to keep baby awake. At the younger ages, we might be blasting through a book. It might be a four-page board book where we make some animal sounds and like let them touch a little fuzzy sheep or something. It's nothing, you know too involved, pretty simple, especially if babies are fussy. And then turn on the sound machine, quick kiss, you know, cuddle, good night, lay down into the crib. Incorporating some key phrases. And this is really something that I've been talking about lately with my clients is, especially as we get to the older ages, 17 months, 18 months, two years, what are those key phrases that you probably already say? Is it night, night, love you? Like, this is hilarious, but my daughter went through a phase where she told me she was only going to sleep for one second. Like that's okay. what she would say. Okay. <laughs> sleep. I'll sleep for one second. Mommy sleep for one second, which she, I'm like, you're sleeping for 12 hours just so you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> she still says that. And so we still say that every time I shut her door, I say, love you. Good night. Sleep for one second. And that's her cue. Right. So maybe you already are doing that or you can pick up something. It like makes me tear up. Right. Because there's going to be a point in her life where she's like, stop saying that. That's annoying. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but you used to love it. Right. So those key mm-hmm. phrases I think are really important, especially if we're starting to practice independent routines at toddler stage. So yeah, kiddos in bed. Last step is lights out. Night night. Shut the door. Okay. And then you grab the baby monitor, whatever, sit down and your kids are going to sleep. So that's for baby. And then Selena, I want you to talk about toddler. So I have three toddlers. I mean, I guess my son is technically a toddler. He's 16 months. I don't know. I still a baby toddler. I guess mm-hmm. maybe toddler's 18 months, but he acts like a toddler. So I'm just going to throw him in there as a toddler. Okay. And my girls are almost three. They'll be three um, in three months. So that's wild. And honestly, my routine with my toddlers isn't too much different than when they were babies with just a couple of noticeable differences, right? So one is surrounding milk. And I know you talked about this a little while ago. Okay, so they're all off of bottles at this point. And they all get their last milk. Um, We do whole milk, but I know plenty of people who do a different type of milk, and that's fine, any kind of milk alternative. And you know, I know some people who don't do milk at all, right? As long as your child is getting the proper nutrients, you don't have to do milk. I'm just talking about this because I feel like 95% of people offer some sort of milk um, around this age, right? And I still do. So they all get their milk in their sippy cups, um, you know, shortly after dinner. Some people offer it with dinner. I personally don't offer it with dinner because I have kind of like picky eaters to a certain degree. And if I showed them the milk with the dinner, I'm almost positive they wouldn't eat any dinner. So Mm -hmm. I um, offer it after dinner, (laughs) but, you know, far away enough from their bedtime where it doesn't like interfere with their bedtime. They definitely don't associate it with bedtime at all. It's given like in their playroom, which is essentially part of my kitchen at this point. So yeah, that's something that has changed because before I would give it, you know, definitely closer to bedtime. And now it's like, mm, not really anywhere near bedtime. Honestly, they kind of like pick it up, put it down after dinner. Okay. In a straw cup. So that's number one. Number two is 
their hygiene routine is different. Um, so my girls are potty training right now. So fun. Not really. Yay. We're going to do an episode on that at some point in time. Maybe once I have been successful, I'll talk about it. Not today. So I really make sure to like have them potty before bed, you know, a few times at this stage. We, we definitely do that. And we do teeth brushing, um, you know, right around the same time, probably right before the last potty. Honestly, sometimes they have to like potty again right after they pottied, which is fine. We just like get that done. My son, 16 months, not there yet. I have been brushing his teeth though before too. Same sort of thing. And Lindsay knows this. I've never been like a huge... Um, book reader inside of the bedtime routine. And that's probably because my kids like read books all day long. I feel like we're constantly reading to them. And I never wanted to be like, I don't know, like trapped by that book, you know, like, (laughs) Oh, one more book, one more book. Like I just didn't want to get into that. So we don't do a book before. um, But once I bring them into their rooms, we do just something a little bit different with all of them because they have three different rooms. So like you were saying about those key phrases and stuff for my son, 16 month old, he's learning to say like two words, two word sentences, I guess you could say. And his favorite two word sentence right now is touch it touch it. So he has this little sign that I got him before he was even born. And it has like stars and a moon and a rocket ship and it has his name on it. And I'll be like, Oh, you want to do touch it? You want to do touch it? And he knows like touch it. That means I'm almost going to go in my bed. So I, I get him ready. I bring him up. My husband is typically home so he can stay with the twins. If he's not home, I am able to bring the twins up with me to do this routine. It's just a little bit longer, right? If I'm by myself with three kids. So we do this little touch it thing. I put him in his sleep sack. I put him in his crib. I give him his lovies. So all my kids are, you know, over 12 months. They all have lovies, which I absolutely adore. Anything like a lovey or like a safe stuff toy as like a transitional object, security, blanket sort of thing. Um, They've had the same ones, you know, for a long time now, and they absolutely love them. So that's what I do with him. I I do the little touch it routine. He gets a sleep sack on, he goes in his crib. He is battling some separation anxiety at this age. I'm sure a lot of moms with kiddos in this age can relate. Um, But I kind of just have always held firm to this bedtime routine. And, you know, there are instances where he gets a little bit sad, which breaks my heart because he doesn't want me to leave. But it's honestly so short lived because we've been so consistent where he'll shed a tear or two and be like, oh, I'm really sad. Like mom's leaving me but I, I'm here with my lovey. This is my safe space. And he's, by the time I like close the door and look at the monitor, he's like, you know, trying to get into a comfortable position um, and, you know, drifting off to sleep pretty soon after that. So that's the 16 month old. And with twins, we usually do their bedtime routine in one of their rooms. Okay. So make sure they pottied, brush their teeth, all that stuff. And we'll get their sleep sack on, either sit in the rocking chair, but I don't like rock them. It's just like somewhere to sit and they'll do their prayer. So we've started doing a prayer with them, I don't know, maybe like six months ago, just like something quick, just talking about the day. What are you thankful for? What was fun? And it's really cute to just see how they just start doing it automatically now. Um, I don't even have to say anything. So that's adorable. So we'll do that. We'll put one girl in her crib and say night night to her, make sure the curtains close, shut the lights, and then she goes to sleep. And then my husband and I bring the next twin, or if I'm by myself, only me, bring the next twin in. Same exact thing. She's already in her sleep sack because we did that already. Put her in her crib. Same thing with the lovies, lights out, you know, 
use our key phrases, key words. And yeah, I just like monitor from the baby monitor. So, you know, the bedtime routine's definitely like evolved um, as my kids have grown. And I'm sure it'll change, you know, as they grow even more. Um, but honestly, I'm just such a fan of a really good bedtime routine because I just am very type A and I love just like following the same sequence of events in general within reason, right? Of course, you know, everything can change a little bit, but um, for the most part, like my kids know, like they know what's going on when we get upstairs, they could do it by themselves, right? At this point, like they just know what's what to expect. And I think that's like really comforting for them to know what's going to happen. Like they, they're not surprised. Like they know what we're doing. Um, and it's been really, really helpful. So I am like team bedtime routine. I don't think it's ever too late to start a bedtime routine. If you haven't started one yet, um, you can definitely start anytime. You just have to be consistent. So hopefully that helps. Hey, Twin Mom, we see you. When we say we get it, we really do. At Tweet Dreams, we are a team of sleep consultants who are also raising twins at home. Our twin sleep coaching packages are specifically tailored to your babies, making the journey of teaching independent sleep as stress-free as possible. Trust our years of experience working with twins so that you can feel relieved that the answers lie with us. Start by booking your free discovery call to learn more because we can't wait to meet you and help you with your sleep goals. You can find the link to book your call in the show notes. Yeah, no, I love that. And to your point, like your kids know your routine so well. And that's what I talk about in our sleep plans. It's like, we're going to show you these steps and events leading to sleep. And it really, the caregiver is like a small detail. Grandma can do Mm -hmm. this. Nanny can do this. Mom solo, dad solo, right? So you guys are going out for a date tonight. Is your mom and dad are going to do the bedtime? And it's like your kids are just going to basically show grandma and grandpa how they go to bed, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So they'll do it. And they've um, helped us like a bunch of times before. So they know what to do. Um, You know, listen, I'm sure it's not going to be exactly what I do, um, but it'll be the same events, same sleep sacks, same loveys, like same crib mattress that I have at their house, Um, you know, but I've easily used pack and plays and stuff like that in other people's houses. As long as we keep the routine and the same sequence of events, I... I don't find um, it to really matter that much um, as long as it's like somebody they're comfortable with, of course. Like I wouldn't expect a stranger to be able to put my kids to bed, but with my parents or my nanny or somebody they know, it's usually totally fine. Okay. So to that point, we can't have a stranger, not a stranger, but we could have a babysitter come for the first time. And my best advice is to do a daytime trial run, right? Mm -hmm. Come from two to five, go out for lunch or something like that. So the kids can get acclimated to the new person and then have them do bedtime routine. Now it's not to say that a new person can't do bedtime routine because they can, but my couple tips here for bedtime routines with new caregivers is if you have an Apple phone or some kind of note sharing app, I found this to be really helpful because Firstly, my handwriting's like a serial killer. So if I was to leave a note for the nanny or the babysitter, she's like, what did this lady write? Like what? So I would always just get on my phone and start a new note and just say like Paige and Bryn's bedtime routine. I would go through maybe like some activities they could do during babysit, mm-hmm. right? Are we playing a game? Are we doing, are we coloring? Can we go outside for a walk? 
And then basically step-by-step say, okay, around 6.15, you'll give them their last milk. Around 6.45, let's go upstairs and get their pajamas on. Mm-hmm. I typically would lay like everything out so that nothing's missed. Like my kids, mm-hmm. if they were still wearing a diaper, if they were still wearing a pull-up, if they wear socks to bed, like the babysitter might just put them to bed without socks. And my kids would be like, where are my socks? You know. <laughs> so I would lay everything out, make sure we hit the points. Like they need to go potty. They need to brush their teeth. They need to have a book. And then I would say explicitly, please have them in bed with the lights out at 7 45, whatever it was, right? Like let that babysitter know that that's important. So that's their bedtime. And I would say, text me when they're in bed and I will check the camera, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't going to try and get, especially when we use Wi-Fi cameras. If you have a baby monitor, that's one, a whole other thing. The the babysitter can check the monitor. But now that we're on Wi-Fi cameras, I would just say, hey, just let me know when they're tucked in and then I'll just check and they're in bed or they're sleeping and I'll let you know. And that's kind of what's worked for us. So a tip that I actually have on that Wi-Fi monitor thing though, is if you have an iPad or Kindle, you can download the app onto the iPad or the Kindle and have your babysitter, nanny, caregiver, whoever, just use that like in your home, right? Like it's yours, it's in your home. That's what I do because mine's Wi-Fi too. And I obviously don't want like her to download the phone, the app on her phone and she doesn't want that either. So we just keep it on this device that like just stays in my house. And um, that's been really helpful. But I did something similar when we got a new nanny. I um, kind of walked her through that whole routine. I was lucky enough that I was able to do it with her during nap time. And I was like, okay, here's like the same exact, just do the same exact thing. And my kids were kind of like happy that, you know, I was there with this new person for a day or two because we had that availability to do that. And then they kind of transitioned nicely with her. Um, but yeah, I feel like if you explicitly kind of just say... Um, what your expectations are and what they need, anybody should be able to do it. Yes, I, I totally agree. Just a couple of things I'm going to add for toddlers is we want to make sure there's more time in the bath if you need to, if your kids love the bath. We want to make sure we're giving choices uh, within, you know, that they're needing to exert their independence. So it might be, these are just some examples at my house. Are we going to use the electric toothbrush tonight or the regular toothbrush? Um, Letting them brush for 10 to 15 seconds and then saying, okay, mommy's going to help now, right? Or we have two different types of toothpaste. Which one are we using tonight? Mm -hmm. Do you want these pajamas, those pajamas? So not which pajamas do you want? Like that's what they say. Don't ask your kid what they want for dinner. Ask them, do you want spaghetti or chicken, right? Let's give two choices. That's pretty manageable at that age. So, okay. A couple of tips with twins, right? Like how do we make an easy breezy bedtime with twins? Kind of surrendering to the fact that it's a bit of an assembly line, especially at baby, right? Like we're lining up bottles, we're lining up diapers, we're boom, 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 boom. There wasn't a whole lot of time for cuddles. Like there just never was at that age for me. So make sure you're yeah, make sure you're establishing those connection points during the day then, right? Where can we get some sneak in some cuddles, some connection um, that's not necessarily in the bedtime routine because it is, it's like all hands on deck. If my husband wasn't home, yes, I could do it myself, but it was almost like I was preparing, like we've talked about this before. It's like 
you're preparing for this bedtime routine and it's overwhelming. You're overstimulated. Like you want somebody there with you. So there's a hundred times my mom was like, don't want to come over. I know Sam's doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, please come over. Like I just need <laughs> another person here. That's not a toddler. Right. Um, so call in reinforcements if you need to, especially when they're little crawling, walking around, like close all the doors, make sure the bedroom's just safe. Like we don't need to turn our backs and the kids climbing up the dresser. Right. So my twins room was like super just minimalistic at that age. There wasn't many toys. We had some soft stuffies and a couple books. Right. Um, so close all the doors, you know, just to make sure everybody's safe, make it easy. You don't have to do a bath every night. Like there's no, nothing in the secret sauce that says we need a bath every night to make a baby sleep well. So if it's a quick, just wet washcloth, you're good. To Stalina's point, like swap out books for prayer or song if it's just not something that you're into at this particular stage. And then like lastly, like reducing the time it takes for you to be involved in the sleep onset is just sort of life-giving. I know there's tons of mamas out there who are like, I'm the only one that can put my child to sleep, right? This responsibility lies solely on me. And that's a big boulder to carry. So when you're ready to practice those independent sleep routines, that means that you're no longer a part of the sleep onset. And that sleep onset is like Selena says, she puts her 16 month old down. He squawks. Hey, this, I don't like this, right? Mommy, where are you going? But then he's like, oh yeah, lovey, sleep position, comforting space. He recognizes that. So that's off of your shoulders as the mom right? To get the baby to sleep, right? And then we don't know how long they're going to sleep after that. So utilize us if you're interested in exploring those independent sleep routines, because at any age and stage, it really can be so life-giving. So preschool guys uh, in kindergarten, I'm, this is where I'm at right now. And lots of things change in preschool. We notice a lot of regressions in preschool sleep because the kiddos are still napping and they don't necessarily need that nap. So three and four-year-olds, such a long transition phase to get this nap out of here. If you have not read my blog on one to zero, very eye-opening, lots of tips there. We can't cold turkey a nap. We have to phase it out, whether that's like skipping on the weekends, every other day, doing early bedtime instead, right? This is how we get rid of it. So that starts to play a key, uh, become a key variable in your preschoolers sleep. There were so many days where when my kids were in preschool and like the preschool teacher knew I was a sleep consultant, like on their intake form, I was like, Paige and Bryn do not need a nap. I'm going to say that louder. Paige and Bryn do not need a nap, right? They sleep 12 hours at night. They are good. But depending on what program your child is in, the daycare daycare and preschool, they're going to offer a nap from 12 to 2 or whatever it is. But you can ask your teacher, hey, what can we do? Can we put the child by the teacher so that she can maybe talk to them? They can color quietly. They can do an activity. And a lot of times, if a child is still awake after, I think, 30 or 40 minutes, those kids can get up and do a quiet activity. So there's actually has to be some rest time because that's actually the teacher's lunch. And there's <laughs> usually an aide and that's their lunch. So they, hi, like they need the kids to be in one so, spot. Yeah, so I totally understand that. But things happen, the naps are going to happen. And so when my kids would take a nap, 
I knew it immediately. They would lay awake in their beds until nine o'clock at night. I'm like, oh dear Lord. And then guess what? That shortens their night's sleep. The next day they're tired and then it just sort of fuels the nap. So read that blog because when we think about preschoolers, that nap is definitely an integral piece to an easy bedtime routine. And if you need to phase it out, there's tips there to get it phased out. A couple of like snags we ran into is, oh, I need this stuffy, that stuffy, that guy, this guy, that one. What about my snowman? Let's go look for that around the house. Like, where's my blanket? Like my daughter got into almost like an OCD cycle of her things that she needed at bedtime. And even with kids that don't have sensory issues, let's like scale it back. And I was like, she can't fall asleep because she has literally like an army of people in her bed. Like let's, (laughs) so we started however old she, she was, she could pick out you're three, you can have three. You're four, you can have four, right? We don't need 7,000. And so to make it easier on her, we took them all, put them in totes or whatever. We took them to the basement. Like we don't need to have this distraction there. So minimizing your kid's room is a good tip here for that age. Introducing a color clock, really using a color clock like the hatch. So it comes on red at, at night, green for get up or like maybe rainbow color or something. Um, using a bedtime chart, right? We do these sequence of events. They can get really excited about that um, to get ready for bed. And then really, like Selena said, being consistent. If you don't want to sit and lay with your child at bedtime, don't. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to do that because they have other children, maybe, right? Or it's just not physically possible with, you know, work shifts and chores. But your child will say, I'm scared. I want you to lay with me. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. Okay. So a lot of what I talk about in that blog particular and that bedtime chart is showing the visual that the parent turns out the light and leaves the room, right? And comes back in the morning. So it's a slippery slope. Okay. Maybe your child just needs five minutes. They're asleep and they sleep all night. That's fine. That works for you. There's a lot of people that may be listening and saying, well, yeah, I, I lay with them, but then they come into our bed at 3 a.m. or walking back several times a night. So I see you. And it was very, very hard because listening to protests at three, four, and five-year-olds mm. is 1,000% harder than a baby who's like super tired and will go to sleep pretty quickly because it's the mommies, it's the daddies, it's, oh, if I just go to this one thing and I'm we lived this. My daughter, she regressed twice at three and then again at four. Mommy, mommy, I need this. You know, and it's like, you know, if you go put the bandaid on, then the crying stops. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're going to do the exact same thing the next night too. And so it's really not a solution or it wasn't for me. And I was like, I just want her to be content again, self-soothing, self-settling to sleep. And so we did have to go through a period of mommy's not coming back in tonight. I'm just not. You have everything you need. We'll see in the morning. And maybe she did have to cry herself to sleep one night. And then the next night she maybe fussed for five minutes. And then she's like, okay, I got it. I'm good. I'm feeling confident again. Right. So Mm -hmm. quote unquote sleep training at this preschool age, it's tricky, but there's so many solutions. It doesn't just have to do with any types of crying. It's literally just making those expectations really simple and you can get those independent bedtimes back. So sorry about my ramble. I really didn't even expect (laughs) to talk about all that, but 
it's a common issue. Selena, you're not there yet. I'm like, when you transition these kids to beds, Oof. I'm going to be like your what, phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> going to have to use that lifeline probably, but no, hopefully, hopefully we'll make it. Um, but no, that was like super helpful information for me and I'm sure for our listeners too. That's it. We will stop boring you with bedtime stories. We are here for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informational and helpful. We're here and yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a great day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks. If you liked this episode and conversation, be sure to leave a review or rating. Share it with a friend on social media or a family member. It's our goal to reach as many parents of multiples and singletons alike. You're not alone in your parenting journey. If you'd like to hear about a specific topic or have an episode idea, please feel free to message us. We're here to help. 